My guest today grew up in a great family, had everything going for him. At one point, he was a starting college quarterback, but he got a hold of meth, lost everything, and then began the most high-profile string of burglaries known as the Uptown Burglar, and then went to prison for 65 years. While in there, got his life right. He began writing a book. Now he's out, and he goes back into prisons. He's one of the most in-demand speakers in our nation, and he got to sit down with me. I'm so thankful. Today, we do a background check on Damon West. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead. Check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down. No. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Background Check Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Gum. Thanks for tuning in. As always, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. Here at Background Check, we believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It should pay you back. And, and what I'm doing in life, my background, everywhere I go to share my story, everywhere I go, even whether it's just one person or whether it's a, th a crowd of a thousand people, when I get to share my story of what I've been through and what I've done, and what I'm doing now and where I'm headed, my background pays me back. And that's what we believe. We're just sharing stories of people who have risen above their past, anything in their, anything in their past. We've got some great stories of people that rose above um, sexual abuse, physical abuse in their past. We've got some stories of people who maybe didn't have any of that stuff, that story, but maybe now they're doing something to help people that have a past navigate life. And, uh, and so that's what we do here at, at Background Check Podcast. And we're so thankful that you listen in. Uh, thank you to all the new listeners. If you're a new listener, shoot us a text. Go to ForgivenFelons.org to learn more about what we do and where we're headed. We're, we're, we're in the process of building a resource center. It's going to have four vocational workshops. We're going to have four businesses that go along with those. We're going to be serving the population of uh, men and women getting out of prison trying to help them get back on their feet in a big way, not just put them in a warehouse. And that, But that's where we're headed. We have two transitional houses now. We're kind of slowing down on those um, because we want to we kind of phase into some more permanent housing. If you're in Texas listening to this and we've already committed to you, we're going to make sure we have a place for you. But at the same time, we're not taking in a whole lot of new people. So just, uh, just keep that in the back of your mind right now. But uh, we've got some great things that are happening at Forgiven Felons. And uh, if you want to know more about it, like I said, go to uh, ForgivenFelons.org. So um, I don't have a whole lot of new announcements, but listen, I think that they're still rolling out tablets in Texas. So if you're a new unit, um, if you're a new unit in Texas and you just got the tablets, man, write us, write us a note. Uh, P.O. Box 4283, Forgiven Felons, P.O. Box 4283, uh, Cedar Hill, C-E-D-A-R, Hill, H-I-L-L, -L, Texas, 75106. Write us a letter. Let us know uh, that you're a new unit. You're, you're listening. You're spreading the word. But also, 
if you're listening, if you're a longtime listener and, and an episode impacts your life, write us and let us know. When you do that, I always forward what you write to our guest who impacted your life. So, uh, but I'm having fun, guys. We're this is our 93rd, 93rd episode. We're we're approaching a hundred, and I'm so thankful that we've had the opportunity to do this. The listener base is growing every month. Uh, I love y'all. I hope y'all love listening to these stories and uh, and me and my family as much as I I love putting it out. So thanks again, and um, we're looking to uh, add more uh, tablets. So if you know, if you're out there and you're listening and you know of another company like Securus who has tablets in prisons, we would love to get on those tablets. So if you know of anybody like that, let, just let us know. So um, before we go any further, we, we have gained a new sponsor, not a new one, but one we've been talking about already. Uh, his, his name is Rob Price, and he owns RP Media. And he's a really good friend of mine. And uh, what what Rob does at RP Media, he's a full-service video production business specializing in documentary, corporate video promos, educational training videos, podcasting. Uh, He produces some great podcasts. And they even build small uh, digital media studio design uh, build-out. I've seen some uh, studios that they've actually built out for small video and, and podcasts. So if you need that done, they can do that for you, too. Uh, Rob's got more than 25 years in the media industry, including he's a former CBN uh, producer, screenwriter, author of a book called Blood Covenant, church media pastor, and he's a digital media arts college professor. And where he's a professor at is the the university who did our documentary, and that's what he's most known for in our realm, at least, as he came to us a few years ago and said, we want to do a documentary on forgiven felons. And and it's uh, it's been out now for a while. It's on Roku TV, Tubi TV, and uh, and YouTube on the Christian Movie Channel. So he also did a uh, a thirty second commercial for a company I used to work for called Smoothie Factory. So go watch the documentary um, and watch the commercials. We get we get royalties for those. <laughs> and uh, so if you need any type of video work done, uh, call Rob today two one four three five four six three six four. 214-354-6364 or you can email him at Rob Price R-O-B-P-R-I-C-E 6 the number 6 Rob Price 6 at gmail.com tell him you heard about uh, uh, him on Background Check Podcast and he will give you 5% off any work you, you get done through 2022 alright so anyway alright let's get to uh, what we do here at Background Check Podcast my guest Damon West guys my mother-in-law brought a article from a newspaper called the Epoch Times to church one morning and said, have you seen, she unfolded it. It's like the whole, whole page article. She goes, have you heard about this guy? And I was reading the article. I'm like, no, I haven't. And I read the article and I'm like, I saw he had a book. So I'm like, I ordered the book and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta get this guy on the podcast. And this was probably, uh, I want to say a year and a half ago. And so I emailed him. And I said, uh, I said, I'd love for you to come on the show. And he goes, hey, do me a favor. Read my book first, and then I'll come on your show. And so I did. And I've been through with this book now for about, a, about I don't know, a year and two months, three months maybe. And, um, and so I was like, all right, let's do this. And it just is never the timing has never worked, uh, mainly because he's so busy. I'm not as busy as him. I'm pretty busy, but I'm not. He's he's busy, 
I mean, he gets invites from Nick Saban to speak to the Roll Tide football team. He gets uh, he gets invites from Dabo Sweeney from Clemson, you know, and then a lot of smaller colleges. He is a he is a very high in demand motivational speaker, corporate, and he's got a message that is just transcends everything. So uh, he's got he's an author. He's got four books. He's got uh, the coffee bean book. He's got the children's coffee bean book. He's got the change agent, which is just transforming lives everywhere. And then he just wrote a new book called The Locker Room. And so everything is, I mean, his whole testimony is around sports and being a coffee bean. And the whole coffee bean message you're going to hear, he heard from a, a guy in Dallas County Jail. And um, But this guy, he, he, he finished college before he went to prison. And then after prison, he got his master's. He's a, he's a college professor. He teaches a class about prisons. I mean, imagine being a college professor and you've been to prison and you're teaching a class on prison. <laughs> he talks about that too. So we're going to, this was a fun interview. And also uh, you guys know that we have a transitional house. So I, I pulled the book out when I read it to the guys at the house and said, guys, you guys got to read this. And one of our guys in the house who'd only been out for a few months said, Hey, I know that guy, Damon West. I was locked up with him. He goes, and then uh, he came back into prison once he got out and and did one of the, the Kobe weekends. And I'm like, wow. And then he went to his room and came back and got this footprints in the sand, which, you know, is, is a big part of uh, Damon's story. Footprints in the sand and Damon had signed it. So I emailed Damon and Damon was just like, oh, that's cool. So when Damon finally, just last week, when he finally said, hey, I'm coming through Dallas we got about two hours to do this. I said, great. So I said, let's meet at the friggin' Felon's house. Daniel's been long gone, but I called Daniel. I said, hey, if you want to meet, if you want to meet Damon West, come to Forgiven Felons on this day. And he did, and they got to meet, and it was just amazing. So what I did was I recorded just a little bit of them having a conversation. And, uh, and that's going to be at the end. That's bonus. That's bonus episode. So let's get to it. Uh, this is my... This is my interview with um, Damon S. Damon West, the the uh, change agent author and motivational speaker, and just all around really good guy, a coffee bean guy. Damon West, welcome to Background Check Podcast, man. Jay, man, thanks a lot for having me. We finally got this done, man. Man, this, over this, a year. Okay, now I don't know if you remember the first time I I don't know if I emailed you or text uh, of how I actually heard about you. I'd never heard about you until my mother in law. Brings me a newspaper clipping, huge newspaper clipping. I think it was the Epoch Times, maybe. Yes, I do remember that story. I've heard a lot of people tell me about they, they saw this story. They did a really good story, and too. I had, and I had never heard of you until that point. Uh, even even people like Daniel, uh, who came to our house that knew you when you came in to, to Styles, he had never talked about you. And so I'm reading the story. I'm like, oh, wow, this this dude is incredible. I want to get his story. And at that point, we'd only been six months into the podcast, you know, and so uh, I was still getting turned down by a lot of celebrities. So it's no big deal that, you know, another celebrity turned me down at the I'm moment. I'm definitely no, not I'm a celebrity, kidding. brother. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm still trying to get Brian Stevenson on the show. I don't know if you know who he is. Equal Justice Initiative uh, Director in Alabama, the guy that uh, basically defends the innocence. On oh, yeah, on the guy that Rose, did the book. The Just Mercy movie. Just Mercy, yeah, yeah okay. So that's that guy. I asked him early on, too, and uh, and they said no. 
but they left the door open. I said, well, can I call back, you know, next year? And they said, absolutely. So they left the door open. So now that we've had a bunch of celebrities on the show, we've had state representatives, we've had, we've had, man, it's incredible what God has done with this platform and all because COVID. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just another example of God taking something bad because these guys went into prison with me when they were out a year. I would take them back in. We'd go in like on uh, Mike Barber weekends and stuff and go into the cells. Mike's great, man. Yeah. I love Mike. And so I would take these guys with me and they'd get to share their story. Well, then COVID hit and we couldn't do that anymore. Neither could I, you know, and, and, and I wasn't able to go speak anymore. Engagements got canceled. So I'm like, God, what do I do? He's like, start this podcast. And yeah. I always like to argue with God, like whether it's writing a book, whether it's a podcast, whatever, I always like, well, what do I call it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like stoop, argue, argue stupid stuff with God. And so... He said, call it background check, you know, and the background check has such a negative connotation that I wanted to do something to give background check a positive. Cause as soon as these guys, you get out and you got a felony on your record, you get a job two weeks later, you're hired. And two weeks later they go, Oh, your background check came in, you're fired. Uh, anything that has to do with the background check, criminal credit, everything we just get it's nervous. And so we like to say your background shouldn't hold you back. It should pay you back. Ow, I love that. Yeah, that's yeah. our motto. And uh and and you are someone who is making your background pay you back, you know, and I, I love it because it's about it's all about the devil. The devil, uh the Bible says the thief has to pay back what he stole. And and our background stole a lot of stuff from us. Jobs, friends, relationships, Absolutely. everything. So in my mind, I'm gonna make my background, the choices I made back then pay me back. Every time I share my story, point somebody to Jesus. Every time we go get paid at a speaking engagement, our background is literally paying us back. Absolutely. So uh, so thank you for coming on the show because you are the epitome of having your background pay you back. And uh, you have a message that just transcends race, age, socioeconomic, everything. Your message. And, and, and coffee's been around forever. So I it's think, like, you know. I think that the message that I got from that guy in Dallas County Jail, Mr. Jackson, Jackson yeah, yeah. they gave it to me. I, I, I've, I've wondered this, like, how long is that parable, that, uh, uh, what, what would it be, it's a parable, it's um, allegory. How yeah. long has an allegory been around? Because yeah. it's probably been around as long as coffee beans have been yes, around, you know? I, I agree. And carrots and eggs have been around as long as coffee beans have been around. So it's like, that, that's probably been around a long time. And I think I heard it one time, a long time ago, not to that extent, but I think I heard it with a potato instead of a carrot. And I've heard, I've seen different ways on the internet yeah. and stuff like that. It, it's, but it's just wild, but it made sense to me. Yeah. I mean, it, like it resonated with me right off the bat. I'm like, okay, I can wrap my brain around that. And when I go share it, five-year-olds or 95-year-olds yeah. get it. Yeah. Boom, just yeah. like that. And and it's something that even the simplest mind can can grab onto, but also the the most theological mind can still grab something out of it as well. So so Damon, some people like like me may not have ever heard of you before. I mean, probably not now because you're 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 going everywhere now. You're really in demand. You're uh, rubbing shoulders with some great college coaches and and uh, so give us just in a nutshell what you do now. Everything you do from your foundations to businesses, uh, honor your family. Uh, every, give, who are you now? But yeah, so I mean, I guess the the two most important hats I wear are I'm a husband to Kendall and, and a stepfather to Clara. You know, and that's um, three years ago yesterday I got married and I became a husband and stepfather. So that's the and that's, by the way, the video of that. Oh man, oh, I mean, dude. I, I watch I'll watch that video sometimes when I'm on the road just to like and it just I mean it tears me up. I mean that little girl that wanted me in her life as bad as I want to be in her life, you know? And that's, I mean, I remember being in prison and laying in my bunk thinking, man, I, 
I'll never have something like that, you know? And if I find someone that would love me, their family's not going to love me. And man plans and God laughs, brother, because that stuff, man, none of that, those fears were true. They yeah. were just in your head. And I tell people all the time, fears aren't real. Danger's, re- danger's real. you got to respect danger, but fears aren't real, man. That's how you see a situation, and you've got to let God handle those things. Yeah. But So uh, being a husband, being a stepfather, um, I'm a keynote speaker. I, I get to speak all over the world. Uh, sharing the coffee bean message. I'm an author. I just, um, my fourth book just came out last week. Fourth. Okay. So the change agent, the coffee bean, the coffee bean for kids. And now the, I forgot about the coffee bean for kids. Yeah. The kids book is in there, but you know, and, and, um, that's a fun little book. I I count it as a book. Some authors don't count their children's books. I count mine Uh, because it's the process of writing a children's book is not as in depth as writing a real book. But, um, so I just wrote another book. Um, I'm a college professor. I went back For to where? Uh, University of Houston downtown. Okay. Went back to school and got my master's after I got out of prison. And, and today I'm a professor. I teach a class. Get this, Jay. I teach a class called Prisons in America. I'm the only professor in the United States of America that teaches a prisons class that lived in prison yeah, that's so himself. Good. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I get to impact the, the next generation of criminal justice practitioners with a you know, we have a textbook. You know, let's say we're talking about gangs in prison. All right, well, let's see what the textbook says and then close your book. Let's talk about gangs in prison. And so so they get another perspective. Yeah. And I, look, I've got law enforcement officers. I've got people that want to be FBI agents. I've got people that want to be, you know, prison wardens one day. And they're getting to get a different perspective yeah. for the semester that I have them, which I think is invaluable, man. Oh, now you've got yeah. someone that's actually been there that didn't leave. Because a, a lot of prison professors, and they're good, too. I've, I know some of them that I teach with, they were former wardens. They were former prison administrators. But this is a former prison inmate. So yeah. um, I've got a foundation, the Be a Coffee Bean Foundation. Tell you us know? about that. What does that do? Two things. One is that we help try to place children of incarcerated parents, children that have incarcerated parents, we try to find them extracurricular scholarships. Like, okay. say if a, a little boy or a girl has a mother or father that's locked up, and we can, we can get in touch with the family member on the outside that takes care of that child, we'll provide that child with all the resources they need. Say it's a little boy wants to take uh, wants to play select baseball, take karate, whatever. Gotcha. We'll cover everything. We'll Man, cover all the expenses, awesome. everything. Little girl wants to take dance. My little stepdaughter's 10. She takes dance. Dance is expensive, Jay. So we'll pay for all that. We'll Luckily, for- my girls are really tall because my wife's tall too. Yeah. And they, they kind of grow out of dance really quick. So well, I'm so thankful for that. But whatever it is that, yeah. that these these children want to do, we want to get them connected with the scholarship, yeah. and we'll pay for it. We, Man, we raise money so for awesome. that. That's called Coffee Bean Cares, Cultivating Activities and Relationships Through Extracurricular Scholarships. Wow. So that's one thing we do. The other thing we do – is I'm trying to, and I'm trying to find a state prison system that will allow me to do this, and I'm going to go talk to Wisconsin next month. But I want to find incarcerated black men inside of a prison system that don't have a serious kind of crime. The kind of crime you can still be a teacher because right. every state will allow certain felons to be a teacher. For example, in Texas, my felonies would not keep me from being a teacher because I don't have violent crimes. Right. I'm not a violent criminal. Gotcha. Um, but I want to go find black men that have felonies like that that don't have a lot of time on their sentence, about four or five years left in prison, and the aptitude test in the college. And then I want to bring them all to one prison, bring a university in, get these guys elementary education degrees, get them um, get them ready for when they get transition out. And when they get out, be there waiting for them with a used car, a wardrobe to teach in, a place to live for the first two years, and the first two years wow. of student-teacher salary paid for. 
And then I want these guys to go work in the toughest elementary schools with the majority black population where the the schools are failing the most, where the crime rates are the highest. And I want these guys to go be the coffee bean inside that world of public education. Because I heard a statistic said less than 2% of the teachers in America are black men. Hmm. I was floored when I heard this, Jay, because I'm like, black men make up about 6.5% of the population. Right. But when I heard this, I also read a study that said if a black boy has a black male teacher between second and fifth grade, he's 40% more likely to to graduate high school. He's 20% likely to go to college because he's seen it can be done. He sees himself inside that teacher. And so I thought to myself, man, if we're having trouble recruiting black men to become teachers, I know a place where there's a lot of black men. Yep. Prison. So anyway, I I think this is the smartest criminal justice reform thing I can come up with because you've got – you know, second chances for the men that have earned it. You've got pre-interventions for kids that need it yep. the most. You've got a, a solution to your teacher shortage, which is just getting worse yes. and worse in America because I'm providing you teachers that you would not otherwise be going to this place right. to, to find teachers. There's so much. I don't have to tell you. There's so much talent that sits around those prisons right now. Yep. If we can find a way to tap into that, we can fix a lot of the problems in America because so many people sitting in prisons are also sitting on some of the best lessons yes. to be taught. Yes. So who better in these schools that are failing to pull a kid aside and say, hey, son, let me tell you about the choices you're making. Let me tell you my story. Especially at those years. Those are the yeah. most formative years in a child's mind uh, between second and sixth grade. And he'll Huge. Look, he'll look like them. I mean, he'll have currency with them. He, you know, he's got the same background. The, the men that I've been in, the men that I've interviewed with in a, in, a, in a state prison system, I ask them the question, man, if you'd have had someone like that whenever you were younger, do you think your life had been different? And they're all like, yeah, I mean, I didn't have... The only male role models they found were in the streets, they right. said. You know? Because so their dad was not present. Their dad was not present. Yep. So you're putting positive black male role models so in, in a place that's lacking them. So I'm working on that right now. You um, know, what's interesting is I, I'm taking a class called Reformers, and their definition of a reformer is somebody who sits back and, and asks the question about a system, what's missing? Yeah, What's missing? Great. And then they create strategies and solutions to solve the issues that are missing. Best, That's exactly what you're doing. And dude. the best way to get someone to listen to you is say, hey, I've got a solution for a problem yep. you have. Sometimes they'll say, well, I don't I don't have any problems. Let me tell you which problem is. <laughs> let me tell you about the problem you don't see. Yeah, let me tell you the problem you don't see. Then here's the solution for the problem yep. you didn't even know you had so until good, 10 minutes man. ago. So, um, you know, I mean, I've got so many. I've got a, I got a prison curriculum that I just built that's being piloted in the Texas prison system right now. Okay. The change agent prison curriculum. We're going to graduate our first class, I think, June 27th at the well, win, at the win unit win unit okay yeah so Great. i mean it's awesome. uh, director carter has helped me put that together the parole board has been involved with it you know so many of these parole voters in texas there's 21 of them these commissioners and voters but so many of them have reached out to me that when and this is what's wild is when men or women are coming up for parole these some of these parole voters will ask them have you read the change agent by damon West? so good and um you know they're they get back in touch with me, and they tell me, they show me sometimes the letters that these men and women will write to the parole board said, hey, I read The Change Agent. It changed my life, and here, here's how I'm going to apply what Damon did into my life, too. I've read letters like this, man, and talk about just Good. floored about the impact, right? And so I built a curriculum around the principles with which I live my life by because parole was like, hey, if you had a— you know, if you had a curriculum like that, that would be useful to these men and women. They could have more than just a book. And that's good because they they need something else. Because if they're not going to put people like me and you on the parole board to help make decisions on who really needs to go home and who really doesn't, because like you said in your book, it defies logic on who they who they let go and who they, Absolutely. you know, it, it, because it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, but it's not their fault. They can only go by what they see on paper. Right. 
you know, they don't, they're not in the prison with them. They don't see the change that's being made or not being made. And so whenever, whenever they know they read a book or took a curriculum that, that in institutes and in implements change in their life, then they have a little bit more idea. Okay. This guy's ready to be out, to be out. Right. And I mean, they're, they're going to get certificates to this graduation ceremony is going to be, I mean, we're going to put together this big ceremony. And one of the, I'm going to tell you about the ceremony real quick. Cause cool. I've, been working, yeah. I've been working with TDCJ on it. And, and um, the cool thing about the program is it's peer, it's peer led. So there's these life coaches, these life skills coaches that they have inside the TDCJ prison system that uh, they train to become the life skills coach, and we've merged them in with the be the change nice. the change agent curriculum. So, literally, the class is taught for sixteen weeks by another offender, and that's that's a whole different that's way huge. of teaching. Yes. Because then now, if I'm an inmate and, and there's an inmate teaching the class, well, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm into this thing because he's been where I've been and he knows what I'm going through. So, but we have this ceremony set up, and and, and I was telling Director Carter the other day, it's like, okay, so we have thirty guys that are gonna graduate. We got another class of thirty coming behind them. I would like to bring that class of thirty men that are coming behind them for the next class to the graduation ceremony. Nice. And the men that are going to graduate, they get to bring family members to this thing, right? We're going to bring people from TDCJ in. But the men that graduate will go through their service. We'll have the you know the the valedictorian is going to be Mr. Coffee Bean. He's going to be the coffee bean of the class. Whatever people are going to speak. And then when that's over, we're gonna I'm, I'm gonna get a bunch of really good food catered because you know nice. what it's like in prison yep. when oh, I yeah. bring good food in, man. This is like <laughs> this is the thing. I mean, so I'm gonna have this really good food. You're gonna be able to smell it and everything. But the men that graduate, they're not gonna eat until they serve the men. So good that are man. coming up behind so them good. because I want them to apply that whole because so much of what I taught in the curriculum is about servant leadership, about being of service to other people and putting other people first. So before they get to get this really good food that's going to be coming in, they've been smelling the whole time, the desserts and coffee and everything that's there, free world coffee, they're going to sit there and serve these other men and serve all the guests that are there. Then they get to eat. Wow. So delayed gratification. Yeah. Some of the things we're trying to teach in the, in the program. So, so I, I'm really looking forward to this. It will have caps and gowns for everybody. I mean, we get, we're going to blow the doors off of it, man. I mean, that's that's just you're teaching principles of, of Jesus. I yeah. mean, before he got, before Jesus had his resurrection body, he had to wash feet. Oh man. You know what I mean? And I mean, you ever seen a service in prison where men come in and wash other men's feet? I haven't. I, is that part of the, the, I can't really talk about what, what, uh, what other programs do, gotcha, but there's gotcha. a program I saw in prison that I participated in gotcha. where these men came in from the outside and they washed the okay. feet of inmates. Wow. And man, there wasn't a dry eye in that room. I brother. I mean, you, you know how to, you can't touch another man's feet in prison, man. You get you get your head taken off for that. But these men came in and washed these other men's feet, and the act of humility like that. Yeah. And I get emotionally even talking yeah. about the act of humility when these incarcerated men saw these men from the free world. Free world clothes, everything, man. These guys have wedding rings on, they have watches on, all this other stuff that you. But these hands that are you know the hands of men that are free washing the hands of a of an of a of an inmate it's powerful man and bare hands right no gloves bare hands nothing. no gloves and, and i even saw some of the men kiss the men's feet after yeah. they were done and just yeah. to show the gesture like you know this is real and then i saw men that were incarcerated get up put the man in the chair that would just wash their feet and then they would wash the wow. feet of the of the person from the free world it's so just incredible bro it's the Holy Spirit working the room, you yeah. know, and it's so, and then, and I get to go into prison still. I go to, I go, man, I'm, I'm all over the country now and all over the world in some sense. Um, 
but this is what I get to do, man. I, I, I've got a get-to job. There's yeah. no doubt about it. I don't have to do anything. I get to do this, man. And, and every day that I wake up and my feet don't hit the cold concrete floor of the styles unit, man, I'm winning, brother. I Amen. don't have bad days. Amen. I don't Amen. have bad days. That's so good. All right. Well, it, it hadn't always been this way. No. <laughs> you weren't always a coffee bean. No. Uh, some people, you know, probably thought you were a has-been. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's talk about your story, man. And listen, uh, everybody, listen. If you haven't bought and read the Chain Agent, Change Agent, you have to do it. You have to do it. it it's unlike any other book I've ever read. Um, and and even if you haven't been to prison, uh, I promise you're going to get something out of it. Uh, but if you have been to prison, especially in Texas, you're going to um, relate to a lot of things. Uh, it was almost like reading my own. I I, I kept a diary in two in, uh, in prison, and so it was almost like, oh my gosh, this it's the same. It's like I, I related to so many things with you. But you know, just real quick in a nutshell, let's because I want to I want to highlight more good than I do want to talk about the past and the bad. But I think it's it's important to reflect on where we've where we've been, so sure. we can uh, you know. So talk about you know what what got you started and, and, and your trouble and your path to that led eventually led you to prison. But, but start back with who you were at high school and college recruit and you know, yeah, all I mean, that, man. Yeah. I grew up in Port Arthur, Texas, man. Came from a great family. In fact, my parents in a few weeks, they're going to celebrate their 54th wedding anniversary. So, I mean, I didn't come from a broken home, a split yeah. home, had every advantage in life, Jay, every advantage, every privilege, every opportunity got into substance abuse at a really young age. Um, but I was a really good athlete. I could throw a football. And this is Texas, man. Texas high school football is a religion. Oh, yeah. And I was a man. I was a three-year starting quarterback for a 5A school. I got a scholarship to play ball at the University of North Texas. Mean and Green. Mean, mean Green. Joe Green. Mean Green. And by the time I was 20, I was the starting quarterback there. And then so um, my life changed in 96 against A&M when I got injured and I suffered their career in an injury. And my identity was so wrapped up in being a football player, I get up to this fork in the road in life and football is gone. And I fall back on the substance abuse. And I, but I get into hardcore drugs, cocaine, ecstasy pills. Graduated college in 1999. And I move off to Washington, D.C. Got a job working in Congress. Worked for a guy running for president. Then in 2004, I moved back to Dallas to train to be a stockbroker. Let, let, me, let me interrupt you. I know in one part of your book you said all you wanted to do, your dream in life was to play, sport, play football. Um, and then it was to be a sports agent. And I think elected official. Yeah, and absolutely. So, so in your life right now, uh, how are you walking in? Where were you in the in that part of your dream? Did you still think you were going to be, you know, sports agent and elected official and all that? The sports agent, the sports agent dream died off in the fact that I couldn't get into law school. Man, I just my, my LSAT scores weren't good enough. And, <laughs> okay. and in fact, I took the LSAT twice, and I think the second time was in two thousand one when I was living in DC. Um, but I, I, I couldn't get into law school, so I'm going to go try to be an elected official somehow. And then, that, But I, I figure i got to work in politics for a while to make that happen. But I'm also a drunk. I'm also a drug addict. I'm, walking, I'm running around, and, and, and I'm drinking every day. Um, I'm functional to a, a point. I mean, people talk about being a functional alcoholic. I mean, I wasn't a very good person, I don't think. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm not who I am today. But, but um, so I, I still think that I can be a, a politician. I, th I think I can get in and run for office, but I've got to go work my way up through politics to do that. So that's the route that I'm on. Um, but in 2004, I moved back to Dallas to train to be a stockbroker for UBS, United Bank of Switzerland. And it was at that job as a broker in 2004 when I was sleeping one day at work, and this other broker sees me sleeping. He wakes me up. He's freaked out. You know, hey, the markets are open. You're messing with people's money. They'll fire you if they catch you sleeping here. And he said, come on down to the parking garage. I got something that's going to pick you up. So we go down to the parking garage that day, and, 
And that's the day that I took my first hit of meth. He hands me a glass pipe. I start smoking it. And Jay, I didn't stop. Smoking. Wow, you jumped in with smoking. Smoking. Wow. Just bam, hit that pipe. And man, you know how, I mean, anybody that's yeah. ever touched that drug, I mean, it's the most evil, most destructive, most addictive drug ever created by man. Stuff's made in a lab. It's made to get yep. you hooked. And, and I was hooked. And it took me about 18 months to burn through everything. I went from working on Wall Street to living on the streets of Dallas, homeless. Um, and then I started breaking into cars, breaking into storage units. And then eventually I started breaking into people's homes. And it started in the uptown neighborhood of Dallas where I was once living when I was a stockbroker. And these crimes, they called them the uptown burglaries. A very high profile crime yep. spree that went on for several years, 2005 to 2008. And on July 30th, 2008, a SWAT team takes me down in Dallas. I mean, they come into this apartment. I'm sitting there with my drug dealer, this guy named Tex. And um, flashbang grenades, all that stuff. And they're screaming, we got him. We got the uptown burglar. And, and they did. They had me. I was the ringleader of a bunch of other meth addicts breaking into people's houses. And, Jay, I don't sugarcoat this at all. I, even though my crimes were non-aggravated, no one was ever home. I never saw my victims. They never saw me. No one was physically hurt, right. what I'm saying. Doesn't mean I wasn't a bad guy because I was a bad guy. Yeah. I broke into people's houses, Jay. I didn't just steal people's property when I broke into their homes. I stole their sense of security. Yeah. And I don't know if they'll ever get that back. I'm a criminal justice professor now, and I know that the whole criminal justice system, the reason why we have it is because of victims. Yep. You've got to do something for the victims. And my victims are all over the Metroplex area. And and this is one of the things about being in recovery is, be you know, in recovery in the eighth step uh, of my 12-step program, make a list of all the people you've harmed. And then the ninth step is when That's you That's a long out, list for me. <laughs> yeah, and it's a long list for me, too. The ninth step is when you go out and make amends and you basically tell people you're sorry, except when to do so would cause you or them harm. Well, I can never apologize to my victims, and I'm not going to. Because state law in Texas says that if you make an apology to your victims, well, that's a felony to do so. And that kind of steps on the whole thing. And ninth step says, well, hey, if you to do so would cause you or them harm. I'm not going back to prison to do that. And I tell people all the time, and in my program recovery, when I come up to something like that, because that's a real thing for me. Yeah. I've got all these yeah. victims out there that I'm never going to be able to apologize to. And I'm not, I'm not going to even attempt to. But I get to do this thing called a living amends. And a living amends in my program recovery means that when you get up to an apology you cannot make to someone else, you go out and do good deeds. You do good deeds and you expect nothing in return. So I figure, Jay, if I just keep doing good deeds the rest of my life, I'll pay all that back and I'll pay it forward. Yeah. And so that's what I do. I mean, that's part of my program recovery is to go out and do these good works because there's a lot of apologies I'll never be able to make, and I'm yeah. not going to attempt to do it because I'm not going back to prison to do that, man. It's I didn't realize that that was an actual law. It's a state law. To, yeah, I did not know that. Oh yeah, no, no, it's a state law, wow. and, and I mean that's you know I've you know I can see why they would have a law like that. Sure, I mean yeah. you've got I think it's some more, victims may not want you to apologize, <laughs> right? But I mean I think it's more geared towards crimes where people were hurt right. physically. Yeah. You know, like somebody that's a victim of uh, sexual assault, rape. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody that's the victim, the, the fam surviving family of a murder or yep. something like that. I see, I can see why they'd have there's it. There's there's a lot of people don't want to be contacted by you know by the by the person that did that, and and I, I'm sure there's a lot of people in my crimes that that would never want me to contact them either. And hey, good news is I'm not going to. I'm not going to ever try to apologize because I cannot do that, yeah. and I'm not. That's a that's just a line I won't step over. But they've got me in Dallas County Jail in 2008. 
2009, May May 18th. May 18th. Yeah. Now, we're recording this on May 19th, so uh, just yesterday. 13 was, years ago was, in one day. Was when you were uh, standing. Yeah, I'm standing in front of a jury, man. The jury listened to six days of overwhelming evidence of my guilt, and at the end of that six-day trial, Jay, they went to deliberate for 10 minutes on my punishment. 10 minutes, brother. That means you're toast. They roasted you. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. And the judge read the sentence out. 65 years. 65, man, this is my first felony. Man, these are non-aggravated property crimes around meth in the city of Dallas. They wanted to make an example of you. Absolutely. The jury hated me, and I gave them every reason to hate me. I put the power in their hands. When I committed those crimes, I put the power in someone else's hands. That's my role to play in all that. I did these crimes. I put myself in front of a jury, so I earned my 65-year sentence. Now, you made a promise to your mom that day. Uh, was it on May 18th that you made the promise to your mom? Yeah, right after the trial. So what was what was the promise you made to your mom? Well, I wouldn't say that I just jumped up and said, hey, I got right. this great idea. Yeah, no. <laughs> she said, uh, she said. She made you promise. She yeah. said, yeah, here's the debt you're going to, you owe Texas the debt you're about to pay with 65 years, but you owe us a debt too. She said, no gangs and, and no tattoos. She said, you know, you come back as the man we raised or don't come back at all. And this floored me, man. I was like, how am I going to do this? I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? And, you know, I'm running around Dallas County Jail, and that's when I run into this old black man named Mr. Jackson. And Mr. Jackson is, of course, the guy that kind of laces me up with what to expect in prison. And he gives me the story of the coffee bean, the allegory of the coffee bean. That in the I think of, there's a Mr. Jackson in every county jail. There has to be, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think there is. Because I, hear, I run into so many people that say, man, I had a guy just like that. But this guy... You know, and I can't find him. I don't know his real name. Yeah. I, the only name I knew him by was Muhammad. And uh, he's one of these Muslim guys that converts to Islam. They give up their government name. Never got his real name. Um, just spent a couple months with him in Dallas County Jail. A little bit of time. But just a small fraction of my life Divine with this man. Divine appointment. Divine appointment. I tell people all the time, Jay, God has never just reached his hand down on my head and said, Hey, Dame, you're good. You're healed. No, man. In my life, God, you know what God did for me? He put people in my life. And when I was younger, these people were teachers, they were coaches, they were parents, they were people in my community that raised me. But when I got older, they took the form of a black Muslim man in Dallas County Jail or my little Hispanic cellmate in prison named Carlos that's a bank robber from San Antonio serving 99 years. But these people along the way in life, if we become receptive to God's messengers, we get the message. But you have to be receptive. And this is where I tell people all the time. Bigotry, hatred, prejudice, racism, all this stuff comes into play. When you shut yourself down to people because of their differences, you miss some of the best lessons and some of the best friendships in this life. Because this black Muslim man in Dallas County Jail shares with me one of the most important and transformational messages I've ever received. That prison is a pot of boiling water. We get three choices. And this is the same in life. You can be like the carrot that turns soft and sad and weak. Or the egg that turns hard and mad and mean on the inside. Or the coffee bean that changes the pot of boiling water into a pot of coffee. And so those are our choices in life. And that's what he's telling me. You're going to be sad. You're going to be the carrot sometime. That's okay. Just don't get stuck there. You're going to be mad. You're going to be angry. That's a natural human emotion too. That's okay. Don't get stuck there. Because you have a third choice is to be like that coffee bean. Because the coffee bean changes the pot of boiling water into a pot of coffee. It's the only thing that changes the water, by the way. Everything else is changed by the water. And so the man tells me to be a coffee bean. These four words, be a coffee bean. And that was the mantra that kind of bounced around in my head while I was in prison. And prison was a baptism by fire. You've read the book. Yeah. I mean, I, and it wasn't so much just that I went to prison, Jay. It's that I had to go to the part of prison I went to, man. The, the, the place where all the lifers go for the first 10 years before they can live in general population, man, because I'm, I'm known what's called a G3 offender. You know, not 3G, which is aggravated, but it's G3 is a classification. 
TDCJ has for anybody that's got 50 years or more. They just throw you on one building, and that's it, and you live there until you're acclimated into prison. Yeah. Um, but so, I mean, I was I was there on this building, and I had to go through hell to get there. In fact, you interviewed my old warden yesterday, Warden yep. Wallace, yep. who was there whenever I was in prison. And, and, um, and you, you talk know, about him in your book. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and I didn't call him by name in the book, but the stories I tell about the warden that pulls me out of solitary after a fight, you know, then gives me this job in unit supply, and he needs someone to clean unit supply because there's so much so much theft in there. But this man twice intervened in my life and gave me opportunities. He pulled me out of SEG after I got into a fight and gave me the opportunity because he didn't count it as a major case. He's like, a, a major case would mess your parole up. Now, was, now was that the fight, the big fight? No. That no, wasn't the big fight. That wasn't okay. the big fight. No, I, I skipped around Couldn't here. I went, went years down the line. Okay, but, right. but he... He recognizes that a, a major fight, uh, you, you fight in TDCJ, it's a major case. Yeah. There's just no other, there's no way to get in a fight in TDCJ without a major. But a warden can grade it minor, and he did. Yep. And that was one time. And the other time was when he put me in unit supply and basically said, look, if a reformed thief can go into a place where theft is the most rampant and clean it up, parole will see that. He basically said, I'm going to give you all the rope to either hang yourself with or pull yourself out of prison with. And so... Uh, I chose the latter. He was already he was already living the life of a coffee bean. Oh man, Warden Wallace was great, man. He was he was he was he was amazing. Dude. I talked was, with him for an, almost an hour and a half. I oh, mean, he just went on because it was incredible his perspective after 28 years, and just you know it, it was it was really cool to hear his story and uh, and then to you know know that that was the the warden that did that for you. Uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, okay. So Damon, in your book, you say the secret to life is to serve others and practice humility in all of your endeavors. So you already talked about, you know, guys coming, you saw guys coming into prison, free world people coming in and, and, you know, out of the greatest act of humility, washing feet. And you say in your book, the secret to life is to serve others and practice humility in all, in all of your endeavors. So how do, how do you do that? How do you do that? Uh, how did you do that in prison? Because obviously you figured that out before you got out. Sure. How did you do that in prison, and uh, and and how do you, how do you do that now out here? So how did I do it in prison? This is great because prison was a great training ground. And I tell people all the time I grew more spiritually those seven years and three months when I was in prison than I did the entire thirty-two years before I got arrested. And it's because of your mindset. You went in. You said it's an opportunity for growth instead yeah. of a punishment. And that's what Carlos, my first cellmate, was telling me in prison. This is. Prison is not. If you change your mindset to look at prison as an opportunity instead of prison as a punishment, then you'll become that coffee bean. But he said otherwise, you're not going to be a coffee bean. You'll right. never be a coffee bean. I got mad at him. I'm like, who are you, the coffee bean man? So, but, but, um, but so how did I become? So when I was in prison, I look around this place and, and I'm like, okay, how can I serve these men around me? And one of the ways I, I figured out, I'm watching these guys watch the news, and when the the stock market report comes on, the Dow Jones and all this other stuff. Well, they're not really watching that, or they're watching it, but they're not really serious because they don't know what it right, means. So right. I go in there one day. I'm like, "Hey guys, do y'all know what the Nasdaq is? You know what the, the Dow Jones? What all? No, man. How am I supposed to know that? You're right. Let me teach you. So I started teaching guys about the stock market. And now everybody's watching the ticker. Now I've got the newspaper coming in. The Austin American Statesman. My brother sends me the paper, and once a week they had the stock ticker. Now we're running a stock market in there with commissary. These guys are learning a skill that wow. I got to teach them. I got to bring wow. it in there. Guys in there that I found that, that didn't know how to read, didn't know how to write, they're going to take their GED test. 
I took the time to tutor these guys. Wow. You know, I couldn't take any college classes because I had a bachelor's degree when I went to prison. Uh, so, but what I could do is is use the skills that I had to help these men become better versions of themselves. Another way of practicing servant leadership, when I walked around the unit and I saw trash on the ground, I'd go down there and pick it up. People laughed at me at yeah, first. They're like, yeah, who are yeah. you, a mark or a buster? Why are you picking up people's trash? And I'd tell them, this is my home, you right. know? And if I don't take care of my home, then my home's going to look like it's trashed. And they're like, man, guys would say, man, this isn't your home. This is, this is prison. Dude, I get my mail here. Anywhere you get your mail is your home, brother. <laughs> so, That's how you prove it anywhere you go. If you're trying to sign up for cell service, they're like, yeah. I need a piece of mail to prove where you live. Right. That's your home, man. My address was the Mark Styles unit, man. Oh, so I wow. tried to make my home. And I tried to be that example yeah. for them. And some That's people... So caught on to it but i learned it from these men that would come in and spend four days with us on those church retreats or these men that would come in every monday night and share with us uh in the chapel we could go to this thing called renew there was a guy that came into the prison every monday night named joe Tatoris. joe was great man this little old guy and he was real happy all the time he'd sing in fellowship with us when i got out of prison i go and i live in beaumont he lives in beaumont i find joe and i'm like joe you used to talk about servant leadership tell me how you learned about servant leadership so he told me his story. Graduates A&M, 1970. Moves back to Beaumont. Starts a family. In 1976, he opens up a little sandwich shop. His dream was to have a sandwich shop. So he opens his first sandwich shop, has four employees, one store. Now today, Jason's Delis are everywhere. Wow. This is the guy that started Jason's wow. Deli. He spent his Monday nights inside of a prison. He loved to be around marginalized people, people that society didn't want. The cursed, the wicked, the sinners, the incarcerated, us. He wanted to be around us, truly living out that that Matthew 25, 36. Yeah, yeah. When I was in prison, you visited me. That was his life, man, prison ministry, right? And so he was telling me that in the early 90s, Jason's was expanding. Jason's delis were going on. They were, they were franchising around the country. Money was coming in, but he wasn't happy. His workers weren't happy. So he goes to his business symposium in 1995, and the, the speaker that day is a guy named David Glass. David Glass is the first CEO of Walmart. He's the guy that Sam Walton handpicked in the 80s to step in when Walton stepped out. David Glass gave a presentation that day called Servant Leadership, and it floored Joe. It blew his mind because Joe thought to that point that a servant is someone that sweeps the floors. They carry the towels. They do menial tasks yeah. while the servant watches, while the, leader, while the leader watches his servant's work. That's what a servant is, and that's what a leader does. No, Joe had it all wrong because David Glass said a servant leader is someone that helps other people reach their goals in life, helps to raise everybody up. Because when we're helping other people, that's when we're at our best because we're all called to be a servant leader. Joe went back to Beaumont. He changed the way Jason Stelly did business. He gave him better benefits, better wages. People thought he lost his mind because it's costing him so much money to be this servant leader yeah. and lead like that with love and take care of his people and present opportunities to them that they never had before. But what happened next at Jason's Deli is something that business schools study all over America. Jason's Deli has one of the lowest turnover rates of any company in America. Wow. People go to work at Jason's Deli, and they don't ever leave. And I, and I go to Jason's Deli's all over America, man, because, I mean, I like the food. Yeah. I like to patronize Joe's family. Joe passed away in August of three years ago, and it'll be, it'll be three years in August. But I also want to go in there, and I, I always ask for the manager on duty. And I'm like, hey, who's your longest employee here? How long have they been here? And, and the answer blows me away. 18 years, 25 years, 30 mm. years. I met a guy that worked at Jason's Deli for 40 years. Wow. 40 years at a sandwich shop, Jay. I mean, but that's servant leadership. Yeah. People don't go there to work. They don't see it as a fast food place yeah. or a restaurant. They see this as a career and a family, and that family atmosphere grows your your business or whatever it is. If you lead with service, that's when you become the best version of yeah. yourself. I like the way John Maxwell says it. He says, 
He says, um, I, I don't want to climb the ladder myself. I want to hold the ladder for others. I love that. And let them, let them climb. Ooh, I want to hold John the Maxwell. He's amazing. I, I might love be, it. I might be borrowing that, John. <laughs> hey, I swear I will give you the credit for it when I use it. <laughs> he's incredible. I love, I love a lot of his leadership. I mean, he's like one of the world-renowned leadership. Oh, he's uh, great. Coaches and but he said, he said, when I learned to hold the ladder for everybody else, he said the quickest way for you to get success is for you to hold the ladder for somebody else to to get them to success. And in helping others to to where they want to get, you automatically get where you want to get. Absolutely. I think that that's what's missing in prison is we're not teaching enough servant leadership classes. Yeah. Because if, if half these people in prison were taught leadership principles out here, true leadership principles out here, they wouldn't have made the decisions they made that got them in prison to begin with. Part of my curriculum. Yeah. A big part of the curriculum is servant leadership. It's servant leadership curriculum. That's why at the at the graduation ceremony, these guys don't know it, but they're about to find out that they're going to serve every person in that room, and then they'll get to eat. Leaders so eat last. So good. And that's, that's so what good. I want to show them. Leaders eat last. That's amazing. So uh, one of the things that I really stood out for me when you were on, um, when you had an ankle monitor, you said the phrase courage. You got courage comes from desperation. And I, that made a huge impact in my life because that trans, I mean, in that moment, it translated to you cutting off your ankle monitor. <laughs> oh, this is when I was on, yeah, I was on probation yeah. and before I got arrested. Yeah, yeah. I had this ankle monitor on and I found out how to get an ankle monitor off by going online. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, but, but you said, you said the courage you had to do that came from your desperation. Right. And when you take that and apply it to other areas of your life, when you become so desperate to change your life is when you become, have the courage, when you find the courage that you may not have known was in you. Um, so there's, a, there's another speaker named Eric Thomas. I don't know if you've ever yeah, come across he's Eric gonna Thomas. Be, he's going to be at the same mastermind with Ed Millett. Coming oh up my in June. God. Wow. So That'll be an amazing group. I mean, Eric's great. I've never met ET, but he says something to the effect when your will to succeed is is just like your will to breathe or something like that right. it, it makes a the comparison of that when your will to succeed is greater than your will to breathe that's when you find the best right i mean but that makes a lot of sense man when you're yeah so but that's me saying it in a different way man yeah. your courage comes from desperation something else you said in the book you said the strongest somebody told you this the strongest man in prison always walks alone doesn't join a gang yeah that's it man you and gotta uh, walk to walk alone you gotta be a strong dude that impacted me because when i first got to prison I looked a lot like I look now. So, I mean, if you see how I look now, shaved head, big, you know who's coming and prospecting me in prison. Yeah, you look like you should have a patch. <laughs> and so <laughs> everyone that they sent, they sent several people to ask because they really wanted me. And I'm like, look, I don't know. I don't know how else to tell you this. Um, I'll, I'll fight you if you want. I wouldn't. I'd, I hadn't had my life change yet. I, yeah. I, I hadn't landed in SEG yet. So I hadn't. So I was I was not growing in the Lord, I was still growing in the devil. And so I got so irritated with them sending their, their little enforcers, peons, whoever, to try to get me to come be in their gang. And I said, I said, listen, I don't know if you, if you just want to fight, we can fight, but I'm not going to affiliate with your gang. Right. Well, we just need to know if you're going to be down for our color. You don't need to know who I'm down for and what I'm down for. I'm riding solo and that's all you need to know. And they left me alone after that. And, yeah. I, and I'm not, and I was never, man, when I went into prison, I didn't know what to expect. I was out here 
I think I got into one accidental fight in grade school. I just didn't fight. Yeah. I think I got into one fight when I was drunk. Well, you're a big guy, man. I got, I got into aren't a, trying to mess with the biggest guys. I got into a fight one night at a club because of my sister. Some guy was bothering her, and I was drunk. And, and they told me that I hit him. I don't even remember hitting him because I wasn't a fighter. Most of the time, I could talk my way out of any fight. And in prison, I got into the one fight that led me a seg. And then after that, I didn't get in another fight. But there was potential for two or three more fights. But I, I was able to talk my way out of them. But in the, the one in the, in the host squad out in the fields, um, I, I wanted to fight that guy. Uh, but I wanted to fight him in the dorm. We were at a transfer facility, and he was chopping up all the, the squash plants out in the field, getting everybody in trouble. And he was one of those guys in the dorm. Every dorm has one of those punks. Those, those, oh, yeah. those idiots, those the moochers, the they do everything that, that gets the whole dorm in trouble. And so they already the lieutenant, the field rank came out and said, We're gonna start taking, you know, find out how many squash plants, how much they yield, and start taking it out of your commissary. You know, and, and commissary is everything in prison. So man, guess so, what? You you got to be the trash man. You took out the trash so that day. Huh? I started because <laughs> there's forty of us from, from like two or three dorms. I said, That's all right. He's in my dorm. We'll take care of this by the blue door. Now, I don't know if you ever were at a transfer facility. Absolutely, had, man. But there's this, there's this blue door, and, and just inside the blue door, behind the bunk beds, there's one little small area that the camera couldn't see and the picket boss couldn't see. It's a boxing ring. It's yes. a square. Yes. That's a square. When someone says, I want to catch a that's, square, that's the square. And that's where the men fought. <laughs> yeah. uh, the men, quote, air quotes men, because you knew you weren't going to get broken up then. If you right. wanted to fight and get broken up, you'd fight in the middle of the day room so yeah. the cops could see So it. when you get to prison and when someone says, I want to look at you in the shower, yep. you go walk in that shower, man, only one person's walking out. <laughs> yep. So yep. it's yep. like, it's a bloodbath. So I was talking trash to him and I was trying to get him just to, I was trying to get him to fight. Um, but I just was like, I was, I was saying things to him, dude. I mean, this was my lowest spiritual moment of my life. This, I was saying things to him. He was a black guy. I was saying things to him that were racial. I was, I've never uttered those words, those racial words in my life. Cause it just wasn't me. We grew up. I went to school at, at, at what I wasn't an all white school, but it was an all white school, but I lived in my neighborhood and there were black kids in my neighborhood. I didn't understand that. So there was. All of a sudden, when you grow in the Lord, you get stronger in good things. When you grow in the devil, you get stronger in the bad things. Sure. All of a sudden, what I was you saying, grows. I was saying things to this guy racially. I was saying things that men don't uh, don't want to call other men that we don't want to be called these names, and it just wasn't me. It wasn't who I was. But he wasn't responding. He either had great restraint, or I was scaring the crap out of him. Yeah. I don't know which one. But eventually, I stopped. There was forty of us. I stopped and waited till he got right behind me. And then I was I kept talking. And he goes, oh, you must be talking about me. And I turned around. We both, we both dropped our Aggies. And I turned around, and he had already started his swing. And, and that was my fault. Like I said, I'm not used to fighting, so yeah. I, I didn't think about he could, be, he could be sucker punching me as I'm turning around. And he did. I, I blacked out for a second because he got me right on the temple. And as soon as I hit the ground, I woke up. I, I came back to he – had, he had one thumb in my eye socket. And that whole side of my face was black and blue for a week. Everybody thought I got the, the crap beat out of me because of that. And I yeah. realized later that's why he did that. Um, he was shorter than me. So I reached my hands up and just uh, and just got him off. Started, started hitting him a few times. And then all of a sudden, six trucks came out of nowhere. Yeah. Because we're outside the fence. Yeah. Six trucks came out of nowhere. Shotguns pulled. And and I'm just like, and the, the, the field rankers running out. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, he attacked me, mm-hmm. which was true. But I verbally attacked him yeah. for, for a good 10, 15 minutes. Um, but come to find out, he did not want to be by the blue door with me. Yeah. And that's why he started That's why he started sure. the fight out there, because he knew it would get broken up. 
But man, that was the only that was but that fight out of my pain came 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 who I am today. Sure. Because for the next eight days I was in seg. And 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 that's when my life was changed. The that's first, when you got to sit still, be still in the Lord, right? All the direct all the distractions from the world were gone. I know. I was in seg. Yeah. It was, I mean I, I was in solitary. Yeah. And it was the, the solitary in my book I call it halftime was the best time I spent in prison because I got to hear yeah, God again, man. Yeah. The distractions were gone and it's like Okay, Damon, we're gonna we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna this pause. We're gonna be a better version. I was, man. Yeah. I, so you experienced the same yep. thing. That's so cool, man. Absolutely. No wonder why you're reading this book. You're like, dude, that's my story. So many so, things, man. Yeah. The, the the sports cred, you know, in prison. I I was a basketball player too. Because uh, there was there was nothing they res- else. They respect sports. Yeah. They Everybody do. respects sports in prison. When I, I say do. they, I'm talking about the incarcerated incarcerated men. Yep. Respect an athlete. Because sports is so big in prison. Now, they'll give you the side eye at first, and they yeah. won't pick you on their team at first right. until you get that one shot, and then you're and then you're all of a sudden. But now, I did not experience the uh, abuse that you experienced on the court, Oh yeah, all what, the physical but the, abuse. But see, I was in the middle of fighting the black gangs at that point, yeah. man. And I just, I mean, I was on an island, man. The whites, I did, I'm done with the whites. They're like, you know what, all right, fine, you're not going to come this way. They, they tell the blacks, yeah. hey, it's, it's open season, this dude. And, um... You know, the basketball court was a place that's that's the blacks on the yeah. on the life sentence building where I was, that was the blacks domain. You know, there every sport I tell people every sport was segregated by yeah. race out there. You know, handball. Hand, uh, handball, you you doubled up and play partners, you gotta have the same race on your yep. team. Weight stack, you want someone to spot you, same race as you. Yep. You know, the life sentence building was so hard, Jay, because that's where people's they were going there for the rest of their life. And some of those people had didn't didn't have much to lose, they felt like. You know, I was on one pot, and this is Warden Wallace's deal. Warden Wallace put all the life without parole guys on one pot. That was his way to handle okay. all the people with these big sentences because he didn't want them escaping. He was also at Connolly when the Texas Seven escaped back in the early, I don't know if he told you that in the early two thousand. I, I wanted to ask him about that, but we'd already gone so long I didn't ask so him. So he it. yeah, he was there. So the policy at TDCJ is when you're a G3, you can't leave that building for the first 10 years. But the warden has a lot of ability to how they house people. G Pod 1 section on 7 building. G Pod 1 section where I live has 48 men on it, just like a normal pod. But 12 of those 48 men on my pod were life without parole. These are walking wow. nuclear bombs, brother. Wow. They'll never see a parole officer. And most of them are in their 20s. These and, and like I would I would go up and, and talk to these guys. I'm fascinated with a a guy that would rather have life without parole than the death penalty. Man, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm talking to this one kid. He's like 19. Life without parole, my dude. Why'd you go this route? Well, my mom wanted me. Your mom, your mom's gonna die one day. You're not. They're gonna keep you. Alive. You're like a science project. Every time you get sick, they're gonna heal you. You get cancer, they're gonna cure it. I mean, whatever happens to you, man, you're about to do 60 flat. Yeah. 60 calendar years it's crazy yeah i mean it's, it's nuts i mean it's like life without parole guys scared me yeah and i mean that's actually worse than death uh, way worse than death, death penalty. Death i, I mean, tell people all the time people get so hung up on the death penalty man forget the death penalty life without parole that's a punishment yeah that's real absolutely. bro because you're not you can't escape that you know uh part of the book you talk about riding on god's back yeah footprints and sand <laughs> yeah man. talk about that what that what that has meant to you and and uh, and I know later in this podcast we're going to hear from somebody who who was impacted by by you and by that by that uh, footprints in the sand. But talk about what that what that has meant to you. Dallas County Jail. I call home, talk to my family. Um, they're devastated. I've been arrested. They're devastated. They can't help me though. My mom tells me there's nothing we can do for you anymore. She said you're now a captive audience to God, and you better start listening. 
My bond is one point four million, Jay. One point four million burglaries. That's crazy. One point four million. I, mean, I was like, it would murderers that yeah. didn't have half of that. But anyway, so she's she said, Damon, do you remember that prayer plaque that I had on your wall growing up as a kid? And you know, my brain is fuzzy at this point. Man, I've been on meth for four years. Man, my brain doesn't even work right. What are you talking about, Mom? She said, Baby, that prayer plaque that I had on your wall where you grew up in Port Arthur, it was footprints in the sand. She said, Do you remember the story of footprints in the sand? I was like, Mom, I don't. So she patiently and lovingly retold me the story of Footprint Sand. But a guy walking on the beach with Jesus, she said they're walking on the beach, they're watching a video of his life play out in the sky, and every time something good in that man's life happened, there was two sets of footprints walking side by side. Things are going well. But every time something bad happened, when there was pain, there was hurt, there was suffering, there was loss, when the guy lost his football career, he only saw one set of footprints. So finally the guy couldn't take it. He calls Jesus out. Say, hey, Jesus, what's up, man? Every time something good in my life happens, man, you're walking with me side by side. I can see the footprints. But when the bad stuff happens, you abandon me. Man, I see one set of footprints. Why do you abandon me? And she said that's when Jesus said, Damon, you fool, man. Every time you saw one set of footprints, I didn't abandon you. I carried you. Man, she starts screaming at me, Damon, there's only one set of footprints in that jail cell. They're not yours. Get on God's back. I don't want to lose my son. So... My mother bringing footprints in the sand back into it, and she reminds me before they take me off to prison, get on God's back, you know? And that becomes like a rallying cry for me, just like the be a coffee bean thing's rallying cry, get on God's back, man. That's what I did, Jay. I got on God's back, and I rode all over that Styles unit, man. And that was like when I got out and I got to go back into prison, you know, I would bring that message to those guys too, that yeah. message of get on God. Because that's something we can relate to when, yeah. we're, when we're incarcerated, man. Because you can't do that on your own. You can't do time on your own. I don't mm. care who you mm. are. You're not doing that time on your own. I was telling Ed Milet yesterday. We, I'm talking about just like whizzing around doing podcasts. I was telling Ed the same thing. For my life, in order for me to get where I am right now, I had to have a spiritual awakening. You can't make changes like this in your life without no. spiritual no. awakening, without right. help of the Lord. And it's whatever you call the Lord. So, I mean, I'm, I'm Christian. You're a Christian. That's what that's what we we yep. believe in. But, I mean, if someone is listening to this and they're not a Christian, that's fine. Whatever whatever your God is, you have to surrender to that. Yeah. You have to say, hey, you know what? I can't do this, man. I'm not capable of doing this. My life is just, a, a, just littered with the mistakes that I've made. I need help. Three hardest words for people to say. I need help. That's it. That's the hardest thing for human beings to say. But I finally in prison started saying, I need help, and, and, and God was there. You know, when I, when I told God, I said, hey, Jesus, man, look, I can't do this anymore. This is the day I got sentenced to life in prison, man. May 18, 2009, I'm crying, I'm crying in the shower. That's the only place you can cry in there. I'm crying in the shower, and I'm like, man, I can't do this anymore, God. And, you know, he was he, just waiting for, hey, man, I yeah. got you, Damon. Come on, I got you. Get on my back. So Footprints and Sand was a very big thing for and me. And he carried you through some pretty rough times. Absolutely. Still you know, does. In the book, in the book, you talk about, and I don't know how much detail you want to talk about it right now, but in the book, you know, the the, the big fight, the one where you were asking God to, uh, you know, when you were you were processing it through your mind, man. I came to prison as a drug drug addict and thief, and I'm going, and it's turning me into a murderer. I'm gonna become a murderer today. Today's the and, day. I'm gonna and you even somebody. ask God, you even ask God to help you with that. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people think that's insane. Why are you asking God to help you through that? But when I look back, you know, I think some of my darkest times in my life when I worked for an escort service and I drove girls around and I had guns put to my head and all this stuff. And and there was moments when I look back in there, I didn't see it when I, but when I look back, I go, oh my God, 
God was God was protecting me. I see the hand of God protecting me in that yeah. moment when that gun was in, in my head. When this when this uh, person you know I ran into that I I didn't know, uh, but I knew. And and so when I read that story in your book, um, I'm like, okay, it was gonna happen. <laughs> there there was no stopping what was gonna happen. Right. But it's almost like God was with you and orchestrated it a little differently than you'd planned. Yeah. So you ended up not being a murderer. Yeah. It, but you still got the, the point same, across. I got the result still, yeah. I needed. I mean, the result is yeah. that, hey, Damon can speak the only language everybody speaks in here, which yep. is violence. Yep. You know, either you speak violence or someone speaks it to you in prison. But you become fluent in violence, and you want to be the person speaking it. So he stopped you from from being a murderer, but he allowed you, he was there, and he allowed you the opportunity to speak in their language yep. where they can understand and you got the result you needed. And that was it. There was so no good. more fighting after that fight. I had to establish myself. But I tell people all the time, that was the end of the physical fighting. Yeah. The spiritual, mental, emotional warfare was going on. I was becoming the egg inside. I didn't want to be the egg, but I didn't yeah. know how to be a coffee bean. And that took work, Jay. That took, like I said, it took a spiritual conversion. It took work. It took getting up every day in that dungeon, working on myself, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Becoming what, the, what did you do to work on yourself? Did Man. you have you have a mentor in prison? Did you take classes? What did you do? To oh, I got into I got into every prison program there was. Everything they offered at the chapel, I got into it. Every educational program they would allow me into at the schoolhouse, I got into it. I got into an AA group, a program of recovery. That's where I got a lot of tools. That's where I learned how to pray. Yeah. That was a big breakthrough for me because I'm still in AA. I still go to my twelve yeah. step meetings, but I learned how to pray, man. My prayer today. And I, I asked God for two things every morning. And I did it on the plane this morning because I was flying in when I normally would be waking up. And I said, hey, God, put in front of me what you need me to do today for you. That's good. And let me recognize it when I see it because I don't want to miss so that. Good. Amen. That's it, man. I'm looking for ways to serve now. I'm on my path, man. That's it. If I, if I stay in that, I'll be free the rest of my life, man. Perfect. That's one of the things that my wife and I, we do declarations with our kids every single day. We, you know, we, 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 we call out our core values because we want our kids to hear our core values every day. That's great. And then we have these declarations. But my prayer, similar, my prayer on my own, not with my family, is that God, let me, uh, let me serve my kids, my wife, and others, and you to the best of my ability today. You know, and show me, give me opportunity to do that. So, um, all right. So last thing, you know, was it harder to be a coffee bean in prison, or is it harder to be a coffee bean out here? Man, or is prison, it just different? It's different in the sense that prison puts a different pressure on a person than the outside world, physically, emotionally, spiritually. But here's the thing that I've learned, and you can take this from a guy that spent almost 10 years in a maximum security level five penitentiary, the highest security level there is because of my life sentence. Or you can take it from the professor that teaches about prisons in America. The hardest place to do time in this world is the prison in your mind. Hmm. I meet more people out here in the free world that are locked up yes. than I ever did when I was in prison, brother. I mean, more people are in prison by their thoughts, by their things, by their prejudices than by steel bars and barbed wire and concrete combined. You can take that to the bank, brother. So I find out here in the free world there are more people in prison. There's more people incarcerated out here around us than there are inside those walls of all the prisons in America. What can you say to them today to help them make parole? Yeah, so here's the, and then making the parole in the prison in your mind is the hardest thing. I live by this philosophy, I have no enemies. And what I'm, that doesn't mean I'm not someone's enemy. It means that I choose to not carry around resentments, hate, anger inside me. 
because I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep my side of the street yeah. clean, and I have no enemies. That's a spiritual goal for me to try, try to reach. Let go of these things that you think you have control over in life. There's four things you have control over. The rest are God's. You control what you think, what you say, what you feel, and what you do. What I'm saying is the world that goes on around you, you have no control over that, but you control the world inside you. That's six inches between your ears. That's your domain. Work there every day. Don't work in this other stuff. You don't because you're wasting your time. Time is yeah. the most precious resource you have. When you start trying to control things that aren't yours, you've wasted time. So you don't control whether the water's boiling or whether the water's calm. You can only control what whether happens? you're going to be a bean, a carrot. You just or know an you're going to be in it. What are you going to be? You know, that's it. So yeah, man, I would tell people, you know, and 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 be a servant leader, man. Serve other people. That's the secret to life. When we're serving other people, outside of outside of maybe not wanting to hurt anybody. Is there anything that if you had a chance to do some of this life over again, outside of hurting people, would you change anything? You know, people have asked me that often. I mean, of course I would go back because, I mean, all the pain, especially my, my, my family is my biggest victims. I locked yeah. them up with me. But if I could go back and change any of that, um, I would do it for my family so they wouldn't have to suffer the victims of my crime so they wouldn't have to suffer. But here's the thing. I think that God does this for a reason god uses all of it. jesus uses us all for his purpose jesus god god doesn't set bushes on fire anymore jay he yep. sets people on fire yep that's good and wow. you get to be one of those people i get to be one of those people and so in order for us to be that person on fire and be that example we have to go through something and when we go through that that journey that that battle that spiritual warfare like you went through like i went through then we have these lessons to teach other people. And you get to be the person on the road to life for someone else like Jackson or Carlos was for me. Last thing, uh, our podcast is aired in about 350 tablets all across the nation, jails and prisons. Some of them are starting to roll out in Texas now. we got about, I think, maybe 15 units in Texas that have them. Speak to, speak to the inmates directly uh, today. You've already spoken to the ones that are in prison by their mind. Now speak to the ones that are in prison by the bars. Um, how can they how can they start today to be a coffee bean and how can they not give up hope okay first rule about being a coffee bean smile everywhere you go your smile is powerful jack man this, this thing this thing that you wear on your face you either change the energy jackson told me he said you either infect the room when you walk in with your negative energy or you affect the room with your positive energy infect versus effect we want to have a positive effect everywhere we go we smile the lady that interview, interviewed me from parole she said you changed this prison around you. Yes, ma'am. I did it with a smile because I walked in Jay smiling and I walked out smiling and the energy, it didn't happen at first, but yeah. the energy in every pod that I went into became more positive and people became more positive. And, and when you have more positive people around you in that environment, you have more chance to grow in a positive way. So smile. That's good. Second thing, work out on yourself every day in three areas while you're inside this prison, spiritually, mentally, and physically grow every single day. Growth takes place outside your comfort zone. Don't let a day go by that you don't grow somehow. You have to take action, though. And when and so many people get caught up in prison and out of prison, they say this to me, Damon, I don't have the best plan to get, go moving forward to get to A to B to C to D. Don't worry about your plan. Your plan is going to change. Get moving in that direction. Take small steps every day. Life is a long time to live. Take steps every day. Another rule about being a coffee bean is the secret to life, servant leadership, serve other people. Look for ways to serve other men and women that you're incarcerated with. Find ways to be, and this could just be being someone to listen to them. Everybody wants to feel like they've been heard, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, prison's the only place where you're never alone, but you're always lonely, right. you know? So 
Find ways to be a servant leader. Control the things you can control, what you think, what you say, what you feel, and what you do. And the last thing I would tell the men and women that are in Crossroads to listen to this podcast is that your past does not define you. I don't care what you've done in your past, what side of the tracks you grew up on. That is done. That's an event. It happened. That's not you. You aren't your worst mistake. Your past is your lesson. You learn from it, and you can teach other people with it. There's a reason, Jay, why your windshield is bigger than your rearview mirror. But you need a lot more space to look forward than do to look back. You can't drive your car looking out the rearview right. mirror. Right? Right. You're getting wrecked. You'd hit yep. everything in the road in front of you in sight. The same thing happens in life. When you live in your past, past good things you've done in that rearview mirror, past bad things you've done in the rearview mirror, get out of the rearview mirror. It can only cause wrecks. Your past is your lesson. The present today is a gift. Make the most of the day, man. As you got, the, you, know, you got another bite of the apple of life, brother. Yeah. Take advantage of that. And the future is your motivation. This is these goals that... The man or woman that you want to be when you walk out of that prison begins today. It can't be when, like, these guys that I would come up to in the rec yard or in the pods, these guys are very overweight. I'm like, hey, go out to the rec yard with me today. I'll walk. I used to love running, but I was like, I'll walk with you today. Oh, no, Wes, when I get out of prison, I'm going to get a gym membership. No, you're not. That's not going to happen for you. When you get out of prison, life is going to be fast. Yep. Things are going to happen. You can't predict the kind of stuff that's about to happen to you when you walk out. So prepare for it today. Become that best version of yourself. And if they came up to you today, say, hey, hat on tight, you're leaving. Then, hey, I'm ready. Let's go. I made parole seven years and three months into a life. I'm on parole till 2073. But when they came to me and granted me my parole, I didn't think I was going to make it, Jay. I didn't yeah. I didn't expect to make parole. Yeah. I wanted to, but I didn't expect to make parole. Not the first time on a life sentence, man. I, I, I thought I'd pull a dime, maybe 15 on it, man. But they let me go at seven years and three months. But guess what? I was ready. I was ready because I had become the man I wanted to be on the outside. I did that on the inside long before they ever let me go. I was ready to go while I was in prison. Be ready to go now. Become that person you want to be today. And I want to add to that real quick, the encouragement to the guys in prison. He knew, you know, you're ready to go when you get a letter, support letter from rank, from officers. Oh yeah. Did you get it from captains? Uh, Captains. Yeah. Captains. And And give this bump to somebody that, that, that is a threat to society. I was like, whoa, that's strong language. Damon, thank you so much for your time, man. Uh, Love your book. I'm going to put all the links to every one of your books on the, on the show page. Uh, any social media links you want people to follow, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll put those on the show page as well. Yeah, at Damon West 7, Twitter and Instagram. My website's DamonWest.org. And I got one more thing I want to announce yeah. on here. So they're going to be making a Netflix, not Netflix. We don't know if Netflix is going to buy it. But there's a limited series that's about to be made out of the change agent. It's going to okay. be 8 to 10 episodes. Oh, Lionsgate man. is my partner. Dak Prescott is my partner. He's going to be executive oh, producer. Man, Dak, and I, man, Dak is great. He's, a, he's an unbelievable servant leader, man. But the, the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys is now quarterback in this team. <laughs> and next month, we start taking this, this out to Netflix, Hulu, HBO, you know, all these streaming services to see who wants to buy it. And, I mean, this is going to be big, man. man so the change huge, agent man. is about to be. So I announced it on Ed's show yesterday. I'm bringing it to your show today. Oh, man, man that's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Uh, are you going to get uh... – Marshall Mathers to play you? No. no Eminem <laughs> said he would do some music, but he didn't want to act. But that's okay, man. That's it, cool. it was a long shot. It would be good. Yeah, Eminem it been anyway. Good. But but he'll do some music for us. That's now, will good. you have, will you have a choice on who gets to play? You? I don't know. I mean, there, there's a lot of guys they're looking at. They're all A list guys. I mean, yeah. I don't. I mean, we'll look, and I'll get. I'll probably get to talk to some of the guys. I know we want to get. So it's going to be two main characters: be Mr. Jackson, and Damon West, and 
And I think we're going to try to get Jamie Foxx to play Mr. Jackson. Nice. So he would Texas be great. guy. Oh, you got to go. I, I know. That's going. why I keep looking. Yep. Thank you so much, man. And yeah, brother. peace out. Thanks, brother. Okay, now, uh, Damon, part of what you do, or really all of what you do, is about the impact you have on your environment, one person, a bunch of people. And you started that while you were in prison. And we talked about that already a little bit in the in, in you know earlier in the episode. And, you know, sometimes you get to meet the people you impact and sometimes you don't. And one of the guys that you impacted while you were in prison, and then when you got out and came back into that unit, his name is Daniel, and he he came to forgive felons. And that's so, right. Okay, uh, you look familiar, man. Yeah, that's, so I, that's so I emailed you about him that morning. That yeah yeah. Because I I um I brought your book to the Bible study. We every, every Sunday morning we have Bible study. I'm like, hey guys, this book is amazing. And then his 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 face lit up like it is right now. <laughs> His face That's lit so up. so wild, man. And he starts telling the story about, and then he ran to his room. You were at Styles, weren't you? Yes, yeah. sir. So That's right, So man. he was there when you were there and when you came back in to do that weekend. So, God, man, you, you, look familiar, you look familiar, man. I was like, man, where do I know this dude from? But so, you know how it is? Like, it's almost like we're prison. Yeah, and you're like, right, I'm not exactly. going to ask. You know, sit in the back. <laughs> so, Daniel, talk about, talk about what he meant to you, inmate to inmate, and then, um, and then talk about what he meant to you when he got out and came back in. He wasn't an inmate, inmate anymore. Well, inmate to inmate, it was 2015. I had just come out of a dark place, uh, got trapped into the you know institutional, and I wanted to change. I just you know I came to Jesus and I got involved. In, well, I went into the chapel one day and I saw you standing there, and I was like, Hey, man, uh, are you a clerk? And you said, Yes. I asked you, I said, hey, I want to get into something positive, something that, that can develop me to grow to even more spiritually and more, you know, mentally. And he said, well, they have life skills. They have uh, Toastmasters they're starting up, which is a good group. And, and I kind of shared, you my, shared my testimony with you. And so I signed up for it. And I vaguely saw you from here from time to time, and I didn't see you again. And, um, you know, it slipped my mind. So a friend of mine, well, was the vice president of the Toastmasters, said, hey, why don't you sign up for a Colby retreat? And I was like, now, now real quick, y'all tell, tell everybody what that is. So Colby is is the, the retreats, like they used to call them Axe Retreats, and now they call them Colby. Same group, yes, but sir. they just changed the name. That's the retreats that I went on whenever I was in prison. Okay. And then when I got out, I started going to the retreats gotcha. with the guys going back into prison. That's Perfect. how I got into prison for the first time so, when I got so out. So somebody invited you? Yes, they invited me. And it's similar to a Kairos retreat. But it's, I, was, I told him, I said, you know, I'm not Catholic. He said, man, try it. Just, you know, go to it. So I signed up for it. I got picked. And I went. And there you were again. You were serving us. You were, you know, greeting us and yeah. serving us. And, <laughs> You were, you know, so I was like, wow, this is cool. This guy came back, you know, to serve us. You know, that's, that's humbling. And then you got up there and shared your testimony. And that was like one of the most powerful things that I experienced during my whole incarceration. You told me, you know, things that stuck with me were when your parents came to see you and you realized that you weren't the only one doing time, but they were doing time with you. Yeah, they locked them up too, man. And it affected your family. And it, that stuck with me, and I started thinking about my mother and my family and my sisters. Then you, you gave the theory of the, the uh, carrot, the egg, and the coffee bean, one of the like, biggest theories, like, okay, what am I? And I thought about that. Then you talked about— Man, when you first heard that, did that like, like, 
it, like when I first heard it, like somebody hit me over the head with a hammer, I'm like, whoa, that makes sense, you know? I could wrap my brain around that. And it actually did make sense because I had been walking around as the egg. I didn't want no help. Nobody could tell me anything. Right. I couldn't change. You know, there was layers of me that, I, that people couldn't break. And I was like, wow, am I being that way with my family? Am I being that way with people that I want to get to know? And then you gave the, 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 the enigma of the coffee bean. And at that time, I was in, in the church programs, and I was like, man, how can I do to empower people? So me and the vice president got together, and we started that youth, the youth mentorship program for the young offenders coming in, because I lived that story. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't have anybody to tell me, and it was like, it started with you. It started with that one, just as That's like amazing, me talking to Wow. That's hard to wrap my brain around, man. That is so wild. You know, that's what it's all about. You don't right? ever, you don't always get to meet somebody that you had, you had an impact on, but then, then to do it and I mean, you hear all the time, hey, great word, great, great speech, great message. Yeah, you know, and that's a low level surf, surf, superficial impact, even though it's still an impact. It's in the moment too, but, man. This is like past the moment, years later. Ed Milet, when I was on his show yesterday, he was talking about this very thing because his dad was an alcoholic, and he said that it dawned on him recently that his dad's sponsor that he got 35 years ago or his dad passed away a couple years ago but it's been 30 something years ago his dad got a sponsor and the thing that qualified that guy to be his dad's sponsor was the worst thing that ever happened in his life you know the rock bottom moment of his life that he was able to turn it around and got into a program recovery that qualified him to to help another human being which in turn that human being ed's father changed ed's life and where Ed is now, he wouldn't be there without his father. We're all connected to somebody whose life was their 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 message is their mess, you know. Yeah, and now you're that person, right? You know, it's so wild to think about that. You know, and and, and he said that it was the most impacting thing he'd he'd heard while he was in prison. It he, actually and, was, and 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 it gave me a new perspective on everything. And one of the things that keynote things he talked about was forgiveness, and you talked about confession and I was like you know confession never been well I'll give it a try let's see what happens and when I went in there that's when the preacher told me hey you know I asked for forgiveness people forgive me for things that I've done he said if you ask God forgiveness he forgives you he said the problem is Daniel you don't forgive yourself and I was like that was a new perspective right and so during that retreat there's a session where you know, the members write letters to you and they tell you, you know, how they're great for you to come. And I opened my envelope and I received this. It's called Footprints of the Sand. Oh, wow, man. That's like, the, I used, that was like the first retreats that I ever went back in, man. Let me see that. It's an original. Oh, Isn't that great? Man, that is amazing, man. And you signed it. What, what, what did you say? Daniel, God is waiting to carry you. Let him, let him take this part of your journey over. Your brother, Damon West, number 1585689. Got my TDCJ number on there, man. Sure. Go to commissary with that, brother. <laughs> man, Daniel, thanks for sharing that, brother. That's wild. It's wild to see this again. And see, a lot of people, when they get out, they throw away things that, you know, just they, they collect retreats uh, just through the years. And that's something that actually has stuck with me. And when I got out and, you know, getting out, did 32 years, was nervous, uh, I mean, just I, I can go down the feelings list. And I was here at Forgiven Felons, and 
he was sharing your book. He was sharing the book, and I just like, wow. I said, I know this guy. I said, and he's like, yeah, yeah, Damon, you know. I said, no, I know this guy. I said, and I shared my story with him. I said, matter of fact, and I took him to my room. I said, this right here has and been see, with me. And see, we've served, so wild, we've served over three, three or 400 guys in this, in this transition house, and I've seen them bring stuff from prison, and I've heard about stuff they've thrown away before they, when they left mm-hmm. prison. So the things they hold on to, I know, mean a lot to them. Absolutely. And so when he pulled that out. The stuff you keep matters. Yeah. You know? And so I was just like, wow. That's what, and that's what I realized when I saw that. I'm like, man, you, you carried that from, I mean, it almost has to be stuck inside your Bible to yeah. get, to make it out of a prison. And, and in some, good shape. And in good shape. And some people don't even keep their Bibles, no. man. I still and have my Bible in the back of my yeah, car. Yeah, and I've still got mine too. But um, People will throw away their Bible and keep their fan. What's yeah. up with that? Uh, yeah, it's crazy, man. Like you, I mean, they're just chunking on the way out the door. But Dana, man, thanks for sharing that, man. That's, yeah. um, man, you know, on days like this morning, you know, it's, uh, I took a red eye flight from LA to be here this morning. Jay and I have been trying, trying to do this for a year. Yeah. And so it's just like, man, you know, he just messaged me out. Of the, yeah. It's years. just a God thing, man. It's just, he messaged me, hey, man, when can we do this? I'm like, you know what? I'll be in Dallas at 6 a.m. <laughs> on Thursday morning. It's the, it, it's the earliest I've ever gotten up for a podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was up late, too, because I was texting yep. him when I was in, in, yep. the, in the airport last night. Hey, can I shower at this? Is there a place where I can shower in the morning? He's like, yeah. yeah. So I know he was up late. Then he was, I mean, when the plane lands, 545 a.m., he's texting. But everything was supposed to happen today like this, man. That's yeah. And I'm just, I'm blown away, man. You made you made my day, brother. And I actually just want to make, I mean, a comment. So, you know, at the transitional home, Jane asked us, hey, what do you want to do? What do we want to do? And there was people with techs and, you know, they all want to be a tech. I want to get a computer and this and that. And Jay asked me, what do you want to do? And I said, hey, I want a mentor. I want to, I want to tell my story. I want to tell juveniles. I want to tell everybody. I want to just, you know, be an inspiration and show people they can come with, you know, out, out of the rut and turn into a diamond. And to them, I mean, that's the most joy that I have. And I watch you on Facebook. I watch the things you do. I watch the speeches you give to the the recruits, the universities yeah. that you give to uh, different colleges, that you give to uh, you know the different uh, what was it a job program that you had that they. So had. he does so many things. Now. Yeah, it's just hard to name all the things you're doing, and it inspires me when I see this. It's like I know this guy came for why I came, shared his testimony, empowers people, and that's things that you know it drives me. You know. It's just and it's all in God's hands, and you know. That's so wild. So what Ed, what Ed Milet was talking about, man. Your your very thing that that you would not forgive yourself over for years, you know the the mistakes that you've made and everything else ended up being your currency. That's your currency, brother. Yep. I mean that you've got go spend it. Yeah. Go spend it, brother. I mean, hey, Amen. commissary. Amen. You know, yeah. time to go. Yes, time to go spend it, man. This yes, is sir. great to hear that, man. I, I can't wait to to see the the you know, and maybe one day we'll get to talk to somebody that you're you've changed their Absolutely. life. You know, absolutely. I know there's some out here, and that's gonna happen. You just keep doing it. Yep. You just keep getting those reps, man. Well, keep Daniel, getting the reps. Thanks for stopping by. Thank and, you. Uh, and sharing us, uh, you know, the the impact of the coffee bean that is that is uh, Damon West. So. Yeah, I appreciate it. Right. Thank, Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you, man. And thanks yeah. for being a coffee bean, Damon. Okay, wow. Man, 
I don't know. I mean, just listening to it again, I had I had a lot more fun editing this and listening to it again than I did the first time. But um, man, I don't I don't really want to talk a lot because I don't want to take away from anything Damon said. But it's important that we learn how to be a coffee bean. It's important that we learn how to recognize the times in our life when the hot water is turning us into something that is not positive. When we, and, and this, there's nothing, listen, there's nothing wrong with the hot water changing us into a carrot or an egg at first. And then we realize and go, oh no, I can't be this. I can't be this. It's human for us to turn into, you know, it's, 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 it's almost like it's not our natural uh, propensity to be a coffee bean. Our natural bend is to be the, the carrot or the egg. But when we become supernatural, <laughs> we can a- acknowledge that we're one of those. And then we can say, no, I refuse to be hard. I refuse to be weak and sad and depressed. And, and I'm going to be a coffee bean and I'm going to change my environment. I'm going to bring positive energy instead of negative energy. And that's what Damon did. And Damon's so right, man. I mean, I was in prison. I, when I was reading that book, it was, I mean, I was, he, he was reading my life. I mean, everything except, you know, I, I never got to the point where I was going to murder somebody, but I'm not saying I didn't think about it because <laughs> there was a time where some, some people pissed me off that much, but no matter where you are, whether you're in prison or whether you're out, remember he said the, the hardest prison to do time in is the prison in your mind. You know, and if you're a Christian, the Bible says to renew your mind daily, be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, when you get good at what you practice, I can't get these negative thoughts out of my mind. Well, practice good thoughts. You know, you, you can control. I mean, Damon listed four things, what you, what you, what you say, what you do, what you think, you know, all that stuff. You, you have control over your thoughts. And I know this because the Bible tells us, um, take, take, take your thoughts captive. The Bible tells you to put your thoughts in prison, arrest them. So that gives us the authority over our thoughts. Now, what we don't have control over is what thoughts actually get put into our head. But what we do have control over where we can arrest and capture is the thoughts that stay there. Okay. No thought can stay in your mind without your permission. So if you can't get negative thoughts out of your head, it's because you're allowing it to be there. You have the authority to say, I'm not going to think about this. And you know, the best way to get rid of a negative thought is to fill your head with a positive thought. Bible also says we overcome evil by doing good. And I think it's the same thing. If you got so many negative thoughts in your head, there's only so many thoughts in your head that can be there. So if you one at a time, start thinking a good thought one at a time, those bad thoughts have to leave. And pretty soon, you're, you're thinking good thoughts. So that's what being a coffee bean is all about. And I love, listen, I've got all, on the show notes, I got the coffee bean foundation website. I got all, I got every, all his social media links. If you want to follow him, follow him, uh, tell him you heard um, his story on background check podcast. I know he will just love that, but get to know him Buy a book, the change agent, every, uh, all the links to buy books on Amazon are going to be on the show page and uh, be a coffee bean. Be a coffee bean. Let's uh, let's lift Damon and Daniel. Okay, that was the coolest part. Daniel, Daniel just um, Daniel loves what what Damon is, 
and what he represents now. And Daniel's doing great now too. Daniel's um, Daniel's been gone from uh, Forgiven Felons now for I don't know. I want to say a year, a little over a year and a half, and he's doing well. So um, you know, and, and Damon is the one who inspired him. And Damon's always. I mean, Dan, Daniel's always told me he wants to he wants to help you know mentor the youth, and, and we're going to help him do that. But um, let's lift Damon and Daniel up to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for Friday, Friday, May twenty, May twenty seventh. And Lord, we just ask you. First of all, Lord, before we ask, we thank you. We thank you for Damon. We thank you for his life. We thank you for your work in his life. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy. We lift him up to you today, Lord. He's a he travels a lot, Lord. Lord, he travels a lot. Give him, keep him safe. Bless him and his his wife and his daughter. Lord, let him be able to wear the hats, the two most important hats that he wears. Let him be able to wear those uh, in a way that doesn't affect everything else. And let him wear the motivational speaker and other hat in a way that doesn't affect his father and husband hat. Lord, we love Damon, and we ask you to bless him. Open even more doors for him, Lord. Give him even more creative ways to use the coffee bean message to um, to just reach anybody and everybody who needs it. Lord, we love you, and we love we love what you've done in, in Damon and his family, and uh, we love what you've done in Daniel because of Damon. Lord, we thank you for the coffee bean message. We thank you for his life. Lord, we ask you, Lord, Lord, he's going to be on parole for a long time. But Lord, we ask you somehow to find favor in his case and let him off parole early. I don't know how, I know you, I've seen it happen, Lord, and I don't know how you can do it. I don't know if you can just change the heart of our governor, change the heart of judges, change the heart of somebody. But Lord, can you, can you change his parole and let somehow let him have favor and get off parole early? And we're, we're praying that right now in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we lift up everybody who's listening to this podcast. We ask you to touch them right now where they are, whether they're in prison, whether they're working out, whether they're driving in their car, whether they're on their way to whatever, Lord. Be with the listener. Intervene in their life. Intervene in their thoughts. Give them coffee bean thoughts. Let them, let, Lord, we know that sometimes the, the boiling water of life makes us hard. Sometimes it makes us limp and sad and weak. But, Lord, I ask you to touch those people right now. Show them. Give us wisdom on how to be a coffee bean, how to change the water, how to change the environment so that we could give something positive back to everybody around us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the ability to take our thoughts captive and take control of our mind and what we think about. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you guys for listening. It's been a good week. If you have, if you listen to this one and haven't listened to uh, last week's with the warden, uh, he talks about Darren Wallace, go listen to that one too. So, hey, we're coming up on our 100th episode. We're going to be highlighting some episodes on our, on our social media account. So um, what's your favorite episode? I want to highlight one for you. Do you have a favorite episode? Shoot me a note about your favorite episode and how it's impacted your life. And, and whenever we uh, highlight that episode on social media, we'll highlight uh, the impact from you. All right. Have a good week. Bless you guys. And uh, remember, don't let your background hold you back. Make it pay you back. <laughs>
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.